0: This is Rainhamcast number fifty-six, posted December eleventh, twenty twenty-one, on the RainReport.com and on the YouTube Rain Report channel. See the link on the RainReport.com's main menu. I'm Will Rogers, K5WLR. When you were knee-high to a grasshopper, did you undergo a life-changing experience that influenced your future career? Thomas Hood, NW7US, did. Thomas has been a shortwave enthusiast since 1973. He was first licensed as a ham in 1990 at age 25. In the mid-1990s, Thomas established the first civilian space weather propagation website, hfradio.org, which later spawned sunspotwatch.com, Thomas's NW7US.US website was launched June 1999. Today, NW7US.US is a video resource for shortwave propagation, solar cycle information, and space weather. Thomas has contributed to the space weather propagation column in CQ magazine for more than 20 years and for Spectrum Monitor since 2014. A product of the Pacific Northwest, Thomas resides today in Fayetteville, Ohio. Raines Hapali, KC9RP, spoke with Thomas Hood recently about Solar Cycle 25 and the game-changing afternoon he experienced in 1973 at age 8.
1: In the early 1970s, I discovered my parents' medium wave, long wave, short wave, and FM, four-band Sony portable radio, and I secreted that out into a nearby large field living in Fort Missoula, Missoula, Montana so there was this really large field owned by the university. I went out to the middle of that to be away from prying eyes, and I started playing around with the radio to figure out what it was and what it did. And I started hearing boops and beeps and scratches and different sounds, and I played around for that afternoon. came across this hypnotic pulsing. I later found out was WWV, National Institute of standards, and technology time,
0: this is radio station WWB, Fort Collins, Colorado, broadcasting on internationally allocated standard carrier frequencies of 2.5, 5,
1: 10, 15, and 20 megahertz, providing time of day, standard time intervals, and other related information. At the time, I was listening to that, mesmerized. So I would lay on my back, look up at the lazy clouds drifting overhead, and I listened at great length. I started hearing somebody reading off something called a Solar Terrestrial Report, and that had me mesmerized. And they talked about sunspots and geomagnetic conditions.
0: Terrestrial indices for 25 April follow. Solar flux, 8-3, and the bouldering index, 6 repeats.
1: clue what they were talking about. I scratched my head and I went, sunspots? Spots on the sun? And thus began a lifelong exploration and love affair with space weather, because I also at that time discovered shortwave, my love affair with ionospheric propagation. The moment I could get to a library, I started trying to find books on sunspots and shortwave, discovered some unique things that were way above my head, but still had me mesmerized. Found out that there was this thing orbiting Earth called Skylab and that they had an artificial eclipse and that they were studying the sun and solar flares and things. And little by little, I began to understand what I was hearing and what was being talked about. Fast forward. I started in the U.S. Army Signal Corps in the 1980s and did a little bit of a deeper dive into what was going on with signals and propagation. And finally, by the time I exited the Army, I was able to get my FCC novice license. That was my time to start learning when I transmit, where does my signal go, how does my signal get there, and that sort of thing. Around the mid-1990s, I started a web page on space weather with current conditions, and I had programmed scripts behind the scene to gather information from government websites sites and collate that into reports on space weather and propagation. So I was the first civilian space weather propagation website ever on the web. Still going to this point, sunspotwatch.com is the current domain, sunspotwatch.com. At about 2000, 2001, George Jacobs, the editor with CQ magazine that wrote on propagation, George reached out to me along with Rich Moseson of CQ magazine asking me, me if I would like to take over George's column. So I began in 2001 as the contributing editor of, I'm calling it the space weather propagation column because I've begun to educate a lot more on the mechanics behind propagation, especially ionospheric propagation and how space weather has such a high impact on it. Then about 2014, the Spectrum Monitor magazine, which is kind of an evolution of sorts from the monitoring times, they reached out and I also began writing propagation columns with space weather information in the spectrum monitor tsm so i'm actually writing at the moment for two magazines cq and the spectrum monitor i do occasional space weather videos as well as videos on ham radio and propagation antennas and and different things related to that on my youtube channel which is under my call sign which is november whiskey number seven uniform sierra nw7 us i got that call sign as a vanity call when I got to my amateur extra license, because the FCC assigned me N7 Papa Mike Sierra, N7 PMS, (laughs) and that did not work very well whenever I got on to like 75 meters and had discussions that took 10 minutes of just joking before anything else could be done. I was living in the Seattle area, and I grew up in Montana, so the whole Pacific Northwest, the Northwest region of the United States, even up into Alaska, that's my chomping ground from childhood. I just love the seven region. The FCC call areas are divided into regions numbered zero through nine. The seven region is... Most of the West and Northwest of the United States, California is the sixth area. As I was researching vanity calls, the NW prefix was quite rare. I think this was like 2000 or 2001. So very, very few NWs out there. And I knew in certain contests, prefixes are a commodity. So I grabbed NW7US because I wanted to promote the Northwest 7 region of the United States as my favorite area. And thus was born my now well-recognized call sign associated with my space weather writing and website and YouTube channel. So anyway, that's my YouTube channel is NW7US, and you'll find me there. That's also my Twitter handle, of course. and. There is another Twitter handle that I put out exclusively space weather information on an hourly basis, and that is Hotel Foxtrot, Romeo Alpha, Delta India Oscar, then the word space, then WX, all as one word. And that is my outlet for live space weather and educational tweets and things like that.
0: You're listening to a conversation between Raines Hapali, KC9RP, and Thomas Hood, nw 7 us the author of a number of amateur radio writings, including the Space Weather Propagation column for CQ Magazine the past 20 years and for Spectrum Monitor since 2014. We'll conclude our first excerpt from Hap's Conversation with Thomas in a moment. This is Rain Hamcast number 56 for December 11, 2021. I'm Will Rogers, K5WLR. This is RAIN, the Radio Amateur Information Network. We'll be right back.
1: You're tuned to the RAIN Hamcast from Chicago, available both on the RainReport.com and the RAIN Report page on YouTube. We are currently in solar cycle or sunspot cycle twenty-five. Officially, they would call it a solar cycle, and then the number of consecutive since we first began recording them in the early 1700s. Sunspot cycles last an average of about 11 years, from minimum through the peak to the next minimum. Now we're in the 25th recorded since the early 1700s. Each sunspot cycle varies in intensity, and by intensity. We refer to the number of sunspots with a smooth value calculated monthly. So they calculate a mean average over a month of the highest reading of the day, and then they have a monthly number. And so, the lowest activity of sunspots, we call that the solar minimum, and as a solar cycle or sunspot cycle revs up in energy level, that means more sunspots appear, and they increase in number until the peak of that cycle, and then they begin to diminish in the number of sunspots seen on the visible side of the sun the sun-facing earth. We're at the very beginning of cycle 25. The last cycle 24 had its peak in February-March of 2014, and the smooth monthly value was 114.3. They forecast this cycle to be Peaking at about 115 smooth average number, the prognosis is that would happen probably in July of 2025. However, each month since the beginning of this cycle, which was December 2019, statistically with the max monthly count of 34 sunspots, the minimum count being 1.8 sunspot regions, the ramp of the increase in activity is ahead of predicted schedule. They plot a forecasted rise and fall of the new cycle, and as they plot the actual numbers, we see that this sunspot cycle is increasing in activity more quickly than they anticipated. The solar scientists and forecasters correlate that to what they feel will actually translate to a stronger or a higher peak than anticipated. So instead of the 115 as the average and peak number in July of 2025, it could be anywhere from 120 to possibly 140. All of this, of course, is conjecture, but they do seem to be getting better at forecasting. And that's simply because we now have more data points. We have more satellites and spacecraft that are out there monitoring the sun from different perspectives, different instruments, and they've refined models by which they make these forecasts, just like terrestrial weather, the more data points you have and the better the models become, the more accurate your forecasts become. Well, space weather forecasting is very young as a science. We've only been monitoring the sun on a daily basis for about 420 years. So it's a young science. And it wasn't until Skylab and since the 70s that we've actually begun detailed, intimate imagery of the sun to really understand its model and how we can base predictions on the observed. So it's getting better. I think we're probably going to find this cycle to be a moderate, possibly the same magnitude magnitude of cycle 24. Or perhaps a little bit stronger. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means a lot of things. One, it means that the naysayers and doomsday people who predicted a repeat of the Maunder minimum, which was a period, a very extended long period of time, the 1800s, when no sunspots appeared for many years in a row, we call that the Maunder minimum. These naysayers and doomsday preppers were thinking that maybe this cycle, of 25, because 24 was weaker than 23. They thought maybe 25 would be a dud and we'd see no sunspots at all and a repeat of the Maunder minimum with its climate change and ice age type of repercussions like the Thames River uh, freezing over for most of the year at the time. We don't have that happening now. At least it's not apparent that that's going to happen. We have a ramp up of the new cycle. It's following, generally speaking, the traditional rise activity and everything looks like on course to just a normal sunspot cycle. What that means for the amateur radio operators that signals on the shortwave spectrum and low VHF spectrum are going to drastically improve, meaning we'll have worldwide propagation on bands from 20 meters on up through 6 meters and perhaps even 4 meters, which is low VHF. 6 meters is common worldwide Four meters in Europe as bands that amateurs can operate on. But generally speaking, the bands from 20 megahertz, the upper part of the shortwave spectrum, on up through 30 megahertz, that slice of spectrum will see improved propagation simply because with the increase of sunspots, we have an increase of solar energy that impacts the Earth's ionosphere, creating the energy required to refract higher frequencies. The more energized the ionosphere, and we're namely talking about the F regions of the ionosphere, the more energized that region, the higher the frequency that's refracted as a signal enters the ionosphere, refracted back toward the Earth. And we anticipate, even with the sunspots Maximum reaching 115, 120, that being a low to moderate amount of activity. We still expect the highest parts of the shortwave spectrum to greatly improve between now and maybe a year or two after the solar cycle max. And that concludes our
0: first excerpt from Hap Holly KC9RP's interview with Thomas Hood, NW7US, a propagation and space weather columnist with CQ Magazine and Spectrum Monitor. Thomas established hfradio.org, the first civilian space weather propagation website, in the mid-1990s. That website later spawned sunspotwatch.com. Thomas's website, nw7us.us, still serves as a video resource for shortwave propagation, solar cycle information, and space weather we Will conclude Hap's conversation with Thomas in Rainhamcast number 57, scheduled for posting Christmas Day. The Rain Hamcast is produced and edited by Hap Holly, KC9RP. This bi weekly podcast is copyright 1985 2021 Rain. All rights are reserved. RAIN programming is formatted for amateur radio transmission and is made available under a Creative Commons license. The downloading, sharing, posting, and transmission of this ham radio podcast via amateur radio in its entirety are encouraged. Your support and feedback are welcome on therainreport.com. Thanks for YouTube technical assistance from Tom Shimitsu, N9JDI. I'm Will Rogers, K5WLR, bidding you very 73. Keep on hamming.